This a success off another breath. This the first step in searching to be nothing less than be the best in what you do to prove their strength in being you. Learn so much in chasing dreams that I never would in school. And what's going on, guys? Kieran Headley here from the Pocket Coach Podcast. I'm here with a beautiful gentleman over here by the name of Kai Jordan. He's a very uh, interesting human who I actually came across when I was in Bali and I say interesting and honestly the most beautiful way uh, just from a few words that he actually mentioned at an event I was running uh, at the time it quite honestly inspired me to want to get to know this man a little more and I had the opportunity of actually conversing with him over dinner and quite honestly I was all ears for about 30 to 45 minutes ish and I just listened and listened and listened because this man honestly has such wisdom such depth of wisdom that quite honestly helped me to delve deeper into my own understanding of the human mind of spirituality of of mindfulness and this really enabled me to actually create a trajectory in my own life that really served me and that's i don't think even that's something that i've shared with you man um kai jordan has actually impacted thousands of people's lives with his coaching with his work he's a transformational life and business coach speaker and he's also a husband and a father so without further ado i'd love to introduce kai jordan welcome to the pocket coach it's great to have you hey thanks for having me kieran and yeah it's been amazing uh meeting you in bali unexpectedly i came to your event and and just really resonated with what you're up to and now it's been two and a half years. We we actually just caught up now, two and a half years later, yeah. and had a child in the meantime. You're off in, in New Zealand. Yeah, you've left Bali. So there's yeah, lots has happened. And it's it's I'm just really happy that we got to reconnect and I could come and speak to your audience about mental health and and uh transformational work. You know, whatever it is that we cover today, I'm excited uh to share. I'm excited to listen. Quite honestly, I'm actually here as Bit of a student to be honest uh, i know that you've got so much wisdom to share um to share there's so much wisdom there to actually unveil uh with a lot of the topics that i'd like to touch on particularly around the umbrella of mental health uh and before we do i'd love to actually allow the audience to get to know a little bit more about your story about how you came into the work that you're doing currently uh because clearly there's an inspiration in terms of what's happened in your own journey for why you're on this path and where that all started for you do you mind sharing a bit about that yeah yeah so you know i got started into healing through the route of massage therapy and kind of followed in my father's footsteps i didn't really think too much about it um why i was in it but as i started to work a lot with people and get good at what i was doing i started to see the limitations on just working at the physical level and i started getting into other modalities of healing uh, body talk and hypnosis and psyche and, 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 you know, I, I took on about 12 different ways of approaching health in an integrative way, in a holistic way. And I spent five years, uh, five to six years doing that. And in that time I was, you know, lucky to work with thousands of people and, and complete over 5,000 sessions of hands-on healing, uh, wow. but on different levels. And what that gave me was, an, was a deep understanding of how, how interconnected everything is from your thoughts and your feelings and all the way down to even the chemistry in your body and 
your actions and behaviors and the physical dis-ease that happens in the body. All of that was really fascinating to me to be able to connect the dots and to see, wow, when I do a belief change on this person, their leg releases. That's weird. When I do an emotional release, their face looks five years younger. When I So I got to study. You know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a practitioner by trade. I'm not, not a theorist in any means. I, I don't have a lot of education in the sense of, you know, I don't have a psych degree. I don't have a doctorate. I, I, but I am a practitioner of kind of integrative, holistic health and transformational uh, work. So after I got finished healing, I also hit the wall. And that was interesting for me because I thought, wow, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. But I hit the wall with healing and I realized there's something beyond this scope of someone coming in with the intention of fixing something. And I didn't know what that was at that time, but I knew that I had to stop entering into the dynamic if I was going to explore what was next. And so naturally coaching became an area that I started to explore, transformational coaching. As I started to notice in my healing that people, based on the way they think and based on the way that they're conditioned and based on their emotions and, and their behaviors, they're creating their dis-ease. I started to understand that if I get them from the perspective of a practitioner who's here to work on that outcome, I'm not really getting them at the root cause. Like in holistic healing, there's all of this conversation around, yeah, we're treating the root cause because we're going into the thoughts. And But if someone doesn't change who they are at the level of being, then you're actually mm. not getting to the root cause. Mm. So I noticed I'm still downstream. I'm still working with people downstream and I'm limited there. And so I had to just completely abandon that that way and that approach and, and evolve. And I started understanding that if I can help someone really experience a deeper, deeper dimension of who they are and who they are means beyond their experiences in this world, beyond the traumas, beyond the identity, beyond that ego, if they can experience a dimension of their true self via insight, then things that were traumatic that have been trapped in the body for 20 years all of a sudden from a different level of understanding they correct themselves they resolve themselves and my experience of that happening was i had been seeking out healers because when i was young i had an incident that happened that was very traumatic. And I had been trying to resolve that unconsciously for a very long time. And I sought out to understand through healing and to seek out healers what happened and why was I experiencing the effects of that. On one day, I remember this very specific. I was in an insightful state or what I would consider a meditative state. And I was sitting out in my gazebo in my house in Bali. I was looking out to this river that backs onto the property. And I was just kind of soaking in nature. And all of a sudden I had this insight, which was, I'm the only one that can heal myself. The only place that healing can come from is from inside. And my body already knows how to do that. And again, I had studied 
holistic healing. And I had heard many times, you know, the body is healing itself. You don't heal a cut, do you? But that day when I heard it for myself, when I really saw from within, it wasn't a concept. It was, I perceived something that's true. That was a game changer because at that point, all of the things that I hadn't resolved up until that point started to unravel on their own. And I understood the power that is within every human being that's locked inside of them that just needs to be unlocked. That for whatever reason, because we believe life works a way that it doesn't really work, it doesn't allow our system to, to be, you know, in its natural flow and it's in its natural state of mental health. Yeah. And I, I saw for myself that, you know, mental health is actually a natural state. It's not something that needs to be achieved. It's not something that can actually be worked on. You can work on the dis-ease, but mental health needs to be realized. And it's something that's already within us. It's not something that you can gather. And it's not something that you can learn. It's something that you are. So that forms the foundation of my understanding when approaching people because unknowingly, because we've had certain people influence the psychology of today, like William James and Freud and Jung and uh, Gestalt, all these people who have influenced, influenced psychology, mm. where they influenced it from was from the understanding that if we can examine and analyze what's wrong, because Freud was a doctor by trade. So he came from a medical understanding and then watched a hypnotherapist take someone through a regression and heal their, their phantom limb. And that's what put him onto the path of psychology. And he started analyzing people's thinking. And his assumption was that if we can take people back into the past and have them relive their experience, that is the source of mental health. But in reality, what I've come to discover since is there's a different source of mental health. And in fact, living in a world of my old painful thoughts is the only source of mental disease. Reliving trauma again and again and again is actually the cause of stress and mental disease. It's not the solution. Insight sometimes happens when you explore sometimes sometimes not sometimes you could spend 20 sessions with a therapist engulfing yourself in that trauma becoming an expert of why it happened to you but not really having a breakthrough mm. and do you mind just speaking really briefly just touching on um inner child work because i know that's a really big concept in, in modern day psychology where they speak a lot on you know, inner child work per se, and they so, you know, go through the regressions, go through those experiences. Um, and I always found it very fascinating. It's not something I delve into personally much. Um, and I'd love for you to share actually a little bit about the limitations there. And then also uh, what exactly what you're about to lead into, which is what your uh, solution is around that. Yeah. Well, look, anything that involves any type of traditional psychology work is really memory work. 
Mm. Wow. If you just think about it, simplify it, you're exploring memory. What happened to you at another point is that experience is not happening. Mm. So it's not that you're exploring reality. You're exploring a recollection of a moment in time that isn't now. Mm. Yes. But the only place you can do it is, is in this moment now. So yes. what's happening is you're, you, you only can exist in this present moment, but you can recall a memory in this moment and you can create the illusion that you're experiencing the past, something other than now. And we become an expert in creating that illusion to the point that we start to give it so much power that it actually looks real. I mean, I'm guilty of this all the time. There's so much in my, in my daily waking life where I'm actually under a state of hypnosis and I'm reacting and I'm actually experiencing something other than the moment. I'm experiencing a past memory getting triggered and I go blank and maybe it's something as simple as my, my, my stepson is not finishing his supper and I hear the words that my parents told me, which is like, hey, you need to eat everything on your plate. And I go into this <laughs> hypnosis and I go unconscious and I say the same thing to him without thinking. Yeah. That is an example of the memory and that habit and the compulsion ruling our lives and us not really being conscious most of the time. And so we are living in a dream. We are living in a reality that's created from within via our own thought process. And it's hard to distinguish the difference between what's real here, physical, and actually present on a level of existence and what is purely psychological and happening inside of the, our own psyche. It's difficult to distinguish the difference. And mental health happens when we can experience what's happening here and now. Mm. And mental ailment is when we can't distinguish the difference between our own thinking process and reality. And we're all on various levels of mental insanity. So it's not like you have some, you know, you, it's not like you need a doctor to, to, to tell you that you, you're insane. I go insane in the course of a day many times because I lose touch <laughs> with reality. But yes. I bounce back from it <laughs> Yes. Um, in a certain period of time. And we call that resilience or we call that emotional resilience when I can bounce back from losing touch with reality and so i'm not you know at the level in which someone would maybe deem me mentally mentally ill but i am i am going through the the same type of experience just on a on a lesser scale as someone who is potentially on a psychotic break they just can't discern mm. the difference between thought and reality so in that way what's the cause of mental ail ailment all mental disease thought yeah various dimensions of thought. That's what causes mental disease because that's the only thing that can separate us from reality. Mm. And as such, what traditional psychologists have done is, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not, I have no judgments. I think there's value to it. I think that there are certain aspects and elements to it that are very useful. When it comes to a certain point though, you can't get any farther in your own personal development or your own spiritual awakening if you're stuck on exploring thoughts of the past because all you're doing is re-examining what constructs the ego. Mm. You don't get to examine or get to experience the self. So 
I, I, I come from a trauma-informed background. I think there are moments when you need to go and actually experience and feel something that you haven't felt. Minus the analysis part, in the sense that the analysis can keep you stuck in a world of thought, which when I've had moments of insight, they've actually been because I've fallen out of the illusion of thought and I've fallen into the present moment and the illusion kind of dissipated, the illusion evaporated. So for me, where mental health is realized, I was just saying for me, where mental health is realized is not in exploring the illusion of memory via thought, but rather falling out of the illusion, finding a way to wake up, taking away the misunderstandings and coming back into the present moment and experiencing our innate health, our innate well-being, our innate mental and emotional safety. So beautiful, brother. And, and through that different conversation, people wake up to who they are and they start forgetting about who they're not. They start forgetting about these experiences that are temporary in time that they've identified with and they've considered themselves. Like I broke my leg one time and the bone is healed, but I still remember like falling off the motorbike and, there, and I can, I can think of myself as someone who's accident prone. Yeah. I can create a story and an identity about that moment or I can choose to not. Yeah. And, and what's it going to do if I go back and explore that moment and, talk about how accident prone I am and this, you know, I, I'm just going to further explore what I've made up. Mm. I'm going to further explore the illusion that I've created for myself, not the truth of who I am. So I hope that, I hope that answers. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I love your long winded answers, brother. And what's really beautiful is that you do actually go through the layers, which makes it very simple to understand actually uh, for myself. And, I'm sure for many others as well that are tuning in. So what I'd love for you to touch on as well, because I know that my old self wouldn't have grasped this, grasped this piece of concept, which is, well, what about when something does happen to me? What, what about when, you know, my actual physical situation is sort of quote unquote going wrong? What about that? You know, the, the good thing that is always working in every human being's favor is the fact that you are built for reality. Like you are built for the present moment. You're, you're fully equipped to handle what's in front of you if you're present. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. When you're not present and you're off in your own illusory kind of dreamland world, that's when we're not equipped. That's when we mm. start to function from compulsion. That's when we, we don't have all of our faculties. But just the very fact that a human being at the point in which now that you and I are talking, we are the most evolved species on this planet. We have lived through years of challenges. And I think even just back a hundred years ago, I think a hundred years ago, what my grandparents must have gone through living in the Northern part of Canada, where it's minus 40 and you don't have central heating the difficulties they went through and they made it and they, they reproduced and they had my parents and then my parents made it and they reproduced and had me. 
the fact that that much evolution has occurred and that much difficulty has been overcome means that just even in the fact of our evolution and the fact of our genetic lineage, we are the peak of evolution. We are equipped to deal with whatever it is that's ahead of us. Yeah. Whether or not we deal with it, that's another thing. That's mm. why people get stuck in trauma because there are many reasons why we shut down and we, we don't actually feel, we don't believe we have the capacity to deal with what's presented to us, but our capacity is there. So long as we're not reliving an old experience in the current situation, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And that's when we get weakened by an illusion, yeah. by something that's not real, by something that we made up but didn't realize mm. because that then scopes perspective, doesn't it? Because now I perceive my current situation based on an experience that I've had in the past rather than actually seeing things as they are. So now I've made up this meaning of this is good. This is bad. This is right. This is wrong. Uh, yeah, this makes me feel happy. This makes me feel sad rather than simply just seeing it as a situation in life. It's this big meaning compounded. And I, I absolutely still actually fall into this. This is something that I'm still working on a lot, honestly. Um, I'll still catch myself. I mean, you, you mentioned yourself, right? Having definitely many moments in your day when I was like, oh, oh, wait, I haven't been present. And this sometimes will go on for hours for me where I'm like, oh, wow. I've quite literally just spent a whole winded almost an entire day sometimes where I haven't even been a, a moment present. And that really does cost me energetically, emotionally, mentally. Uh, it, it really, uh, I really notice the detriments of it um, based on how long I have been unpresent and in compulsion. Um, and it's something that I'd actually like to ask on, which is how does one start to become more present? How does one start to come away from compulsion more so, so that they can live more in this moment rather than in these moments up here in the mind? Yeah, this uh, has been something I've explored in different ways. And I've come to see that the only way that's really sustainable is not a practice or a process or a technique, but rather a deeper understanding of how we psychologically work. Like I came to see from within the foundational principles of how I create my experience via thought. In other words, I've had moments where I've had insights where I saw that experience that I'm having right now, that's not who I am. I'm, I'm literally thinking about this concept of the past self, the past Kai. That's not who I am. And I, I would come out of these moments of, of unconsciousness, like you said, for two or three days, sometimes you're, you're in this churning of, you know, when you're, when you're ruminating on something and you don't know what you're ruminating on and you're feeling a little bit of confusion, that's something, that's something that's not true coming up to the surface, to be released, to be witnessed, to be noticed that it's not true, to be noticed as thought and not reality, to be distinguished. And many techniques, what they do is they, they add something to the plate of our already existing confusion. 
So we already have a misunderstanding of what's creating the problem. And on top of that, someone else outside of us is telling us, do this thing. And it's like making it more complicated because now we have to juggle being confused and doing something to try to not be confused. Yeah. And so we, we end up piling on more tasks and more difficulty that doesn't make life easier. It just is a balancing act, constant balancing, con like a coping act. I've, I have seen modalities work that were technique based. But the way that they worked was at some point, someone had an insight. Mm. The moment of transformation is when someone sees something new, not that the technique did something. It's that in a certain space of opening yourself up to be helped and putting on the table, what you feel is, is kind of you're struggling with and being in a state of receptivity and having someone witness you, there's a moment where sometimes you just fall out of what you're thinking and you, you become present and you have an insight and that can happen in a therapeutic session that can happen in a mindfulness practice that can happen in a meditation, but it's not the technique that's responsible. It's the essence of who we are waking up. So for me, I've eliminated many practices. I do still practice certain yogic practices, which are Kriya yoga, because that mm. itself is not a technique. It, it fundamentally changes the energy and the chemistry of the body. Mm. It's, it's scientifically proven actually that certain yogic practices with the depth of understanding they have about how the human physiology was made they can create chemical changes in the body. Um, so I still do my practices in the morning um, that I've done for the last five years that those ones are um, from Sadhguru. Uh, Inner Engineering is the program that I did. And, and those seem to work. And, and every, other, every other technique, because I've studied NLP and I've studied body talk and I've studied all these healing modalities, which I could easily do stuff on myself for an entire day. I could occupy myself with techniques all day if I want to. Breathing, breath work, this thing, that thing, do this cacao ceremony, do that thing, drink this tea, eat that. <laughs> I could just, I could go yeah. completely wild if I want because I got a, mm. a wide array of things that I've tried and, and found that they worked at the level of understanding that I was at. But they became the limitation at a certain point. They were just occupying too much space. And I had to let those go too. So, you know, practices can be really useful until they're not useful. Crutches are really great. If you have a broken leg, once it's healed, they become a little bit uh, in, inhibiting. So they're, they're great to a certain that. point, And that's what tools are. Such a good point. They can never replace a true understanding. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely found um, a lot of practices, techniques, uh, methods have been more about reconditioning than unconditioning. Um, mm -hmm. and I'd love for you to actually briefly touch on that a little bit more. Um, and then I'd like to ask as well about Kriya yoga, because I myself has, have done, uh, Sagaru's and engineering and found it immensely helpful. Um, so there you go, guys, there's a tool that you guys can use <laughs> and, cool. um, and I'd love to, 
actually ask what your take on this concept of unconditioning is in terms of the steps that one can start to uh, take so that they can start to realize the truth. Uh, since, of course, you know, there's so many tools out there, what are some maybe steps that people can start to take? Yeah. Well, that in and of itself is a profound distinction of realizing that real health and the way to re rediscover health because we learn disease we learn concepts and beliefs about life that aren't true mm -hmm. that actually cause a dissonance with us and the way that life works we are in dissonance with the natural tune and the natural frequency of life and that's why you know when i work with someone i think in terms of resonance because I come from a music background, I think Beautiful. if you were to have a symphony that was in tune, it would create such a beautiful experience. And just a couple instruments, if they're off tune, you start to feel the whole thing have a different feeling to it. And that's like what we are as human beings. We're many different frequencies emanating from different places the heart has its own vibration the brain has a different vibration all of our body parts have a vibration all of our emotions have a vibration all of our our thoughts have a certain vibration and so we are either creating a vibration that vibrates the same way that life vibrates in its essence or we're not and it's those things that are not in, in resonance with truth, with life, with how life really works, that create dis-ease. They literally create a frequency of dissonance. And so those are the things that when we subtract them, when they fall out of our mind and, and then they stop being a feeling because you know, the, the, the most subtle dimension is really thought. You know, thought is the most subtle dimension and the kind of thought that I'm referring to is not even the specifics of it, but it's the potential, the potential every human being is given to think is the potential to create their own experience. It's not even the content so much. I'm not even concerned with what your specific thoughts are today. I'm just looking at the fact that you're experiencing thought. And that's what's going to be useful for a person to see because that's what wakes them up from the thought generated dream is them seeing the fact that they think and they experience that as reality. When people see that they have profound ripple effects in their life. That one insight, when they see it for themselves, it changes everything. It changes the foundation in which they experience reality. So all sorts of beliefs, they start to just fall away. And like this, that is a subtractive experience. We're not adding anything. We're just waking up the true self, that formless aspect of self that's undefined and undefinable. And people are experiencing a moment of that. And all of a sudden, the things that they think they are stop looking so concrete. So beautiful. So beautiful. And that's just it. I mean, it's really that simple, right? It's 
not this concept of needing to recondition every single trauma, every single uh, insecurity, every single every single fear, but instead the concept of stepping away from them entirely or stepping away from what allows us and enables us to perceive them in the first place, which is thought. So instead of the reconditioning, it's simply the unconditioning or the distance between me and my mind, me and the thoughts that happen all, right? This thought right here, oh, wow, and that thought right there, oh, these thoughts, wow, these thoughts collectively are really the source of my suffering rather than the specific thing that the thought represents. So as you mentioned, the contents of the thoughts isn't the issue, but as you mentioned, it's the potential of the thoughts. And I absolutely love the phrasing of that because I've never heard it put that way. I really resonate with that. Thank you. It's beautiful. And I'd like to circle back to um, yeah an earlier question, which was you mentioned Kriya Yoga is something that you practice yourself. So mm-hmm. how would you describe that? Yeah, Kriya Yoga, you see, there's four components of yoga or dimensions of yoga in which we can work upon. There is mental yoga, Janani Yoga, using the intellect to try and perceive the source of creation. Or there's karma yoga, using your body and using action to get to a point of experiencing a selflessness, an impersonal dimension to our lives. There is a emotional approach known as bhakti yoga, and that's using your emotions to approach a level of intensity that would give you an experience of the peak of life peak experience. And then there's Kriya Yoga, which is not outward. It's not an action. It's an inward action. It literally drives your awareness inward away from the senses and brings you into the self. And as a result, it fundamentally changes the energy. Now there's energy on very many on various levels and there's memory on various levels, but it fundamentally changes even the elemental and the atomic memory that's in the body. So that's the, the most fundamental level of energy that you can impact is elemental and atomic, but then there's also evolutionary memory, which is how atoms come together as compounds and we don't, we don't know the science behind it. And then there's, you know, there's, uh, there's like a genetic memory, which is how certain molecules form certain genes and actually can distinction can distinguish the difference between a cow and uh, a monkey. You know, there's memory there that, that turns, if I eat a banana, turns that banana into human tissue, not cow tissue. That's genetic memory. And it's functioning so below the surface that we don't even know it's there. Then there's karmic memory. And karmic memory is every action that you have ever done on the level of thought feeling and even physically in the world is recorded in your system somewhere and so you have on top of evolutionary memory which is the form that you're in that you're in a human form and genetic memory which is the specificity that you have blue eyes and i have brown eyes and you know that's distinguishing us then there's karmic memory which is the conscious and sometimes unconscious self, but it's the it's the the self that chooses, the self that creates. That memory, it really is where compulsion comes from. You may not know it, but 
why you're angry today could have been that you created a habit of getting angry when you were 10. You can still experience the same pattern of that thought coming up now. And then because we, we tend to not be conscious of what, where things are coming from, we associate, we want to place the, the causation external and say, oh, well, that must be because that person said this and that's why I'm upset. <laughs> but we can't see that that was coming from within. So, you know, like this, there are other dimensions. There's inarticulate memory, which is memory that just has no articulation to it. You can't really talk about it, but you can experience it. And then there's articulate memory, which is memory that you can, the conscious mind, if you will. So like this, there's various dimensions of memory and energy. And the purpose of Kriya Yoga is to impact the system even beyond the karmic level, which most coaching and modalities, they're working at the level of karma. They're working to get you to change your choices and create a new reality for yourself. Well, that's karma. Hmm. That's what you're changing, karmic memory. Beautiful. Beautiful. And how does one start to gain access to uh the concept of Kriya Yoga, how does one start to take those sort of steps themselves? For me, um, you, you really need to be initiated by a master, mm -hmm. uh, one that has an embodied understanding and a mastery of their own inner energies. And for me, Sadhguru has been that person. There may be others. Me too. I don't know personally, because I've found one and it worked for me, so I stuck with it. And uh, that's it. I mean, if you really want to dive deeper into Kriya Yoga, I would recommend Inner Engineering with Sadhguru. It's the first program that he offers, and it's had profound effect on me. And it still is a foundation of my spiritual process. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I highly recommend that as a start point if mm. you're wanting to, yes. to explore uh, what, I'm, what I'm talking about here. Yeah, beautiful. Now, I'd love to really get to some other juice as well, because I mean, that alone is a, is a series of podcasts on its own. I mean, that normally would take a lot of people quite a lengthy period of time to actually come to the essence of what it is that you've shared. Um, and you've shared it very succinctly, um, considering like we could quite literally wrap up here and that would be most like one of the most profound uh, things that many people might come to understand, maybe not quite grasp it yet. But maybe they might come back again in you know, six months' time, a year's time, and be like, "Oh, that's what they meant." Or they might even get it now and uh, run off and make immense changes. Because I know myself, uh, when I look back three years ago, I reckon if I had heard a lot of this three years ago, two and a half to three years ago, I, I don't think I quite could have would have clicked um, because I was so stuck in thought process, and that for me was reality. So the concept that I thought my experience of life was not reality was almost like this woo-woo concept because I was so uh, entrapped and engrossed in my ego and my mind as reality. So that's all I saw. And that can be very difficult as, as, um, to actually come to this understanding is there maybe any other ways you might even um, uh, phrase certain things or is, have you had the opportunity of working with people that are very resistant to the concept that thought is the essence of suffering. If we, if we believe it's reality. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have had clients that, that struggled to understand what was being said, you know, because you have to understand the way that we experience reality is, it is a separate one. 
Mm-hmm. Like if you put 10 people in front of an incident, a burglary or a car accident, and you interview them and you ask them what happened, and you also figure out how that made them feel, you're going to have 10 very different versions of the same event. What does that tell you? It tells you we experience reality that is separate from the situation. Why? What can make that possible? Well, the only thing that can actually allow us to experience a separate reality is the fact that my thinking about a giving situation is independent from the situation. And therefore it's independent from the person who's standing next to me looking at the situation. And there are different kinds of thoughts that come to our minds that paint that experience and create the experience the way it is. So in essence, that's what the difficulty is in any conversation. The, the, the understanding that we are living in separate realities and that's a fact. And that's, that's something you're always up against that you are, you actually, if you think about it, language is constructed. It's made up. It's actually us attempting to describe an indescribable experience, right? Can you describe to a blind person what the color pink is? that's what you're up against when you're when you're talking about something that's not physical in nature language has a barrier in the fact that it can describe especially the english language other languages not so much the indian language goes into depth and they have words for all the inner interior experiences that you can go through Mm. in consciousness but as far as language is concerned, the one that typically we use, which is English, it is a way to represent life. It itself is not a literal depiction and description of life. So when I'm saying a certain word, I have my own meaning. You have another meaning. Another person listening is having another meaning. They're not even listening to what I'm really saying. They're hearing me make sounds and they're coming to conclusions about their, their understanding about what I mean. And that's what's going on all the time. So communication for me is not when someone can repeat what I say back to them, but rather when someone really has this moment of realization, which is like, oh, that's what you were talking about. And then we can have a discussion about that and, be, and come to realize that, yeah, it's the same thing. That's one moment of communication. Maybe in this podcast, if someone listens to it, they may have four or five of those and the rest is kind of coming up with what I mean. Yeah, that's the same with me if I watch someone else talk. <laughs> that's the experience that everyone has. So understanding that, you don't have to be so tough on yourself or you don't have to be maybe dis you don't have to dismiss what someone says just because it doesn't fit into your separate reality. And that is the way that you grow. That is the way that you're going to spread this current level of understanding. And it's going to, it's going to start to expand. 
you have to be willing to understand first the limitations of logic. Like I said, the, the way we grasp life is very limited and the way we represent it in language is very limited. We have to grasp that, that we've taken in an immense reality in a very limited way. And we have to be open to questioning our conclusions because what does your conclusion do anyway? It gives you some sense of security because you know something, but it limits you to explore everything you don't know. So you have this sense of confidence maybe because of some conclusion about some aspect of life, but what you really have is an ignorance on a complete other aspect of life. Mm. So it, it doesn't really in the bigger picture, it doesn't serve to have conclusions that, you know, to have beliefs. Mm. And that can be quite hard for many people to hear. I know for myself, I was very stuck in belief systems and beliefs of how life was rather than coming to a place of actually, no, I do not know. And coming to a place of not knowing uh, has been quite honestly my biggest savior. Um, and knowing was quite honestly my biggest prison uh, for a long time. Uh, it shackled me to a certain way of living inside a specific type of box. And anything that shook the walls of that box triggered me so intensely. I suffered. And what I do, because this box was sufferable, I'd build another box and hop into that one. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> like, oh, oh, this box isn't working either. And then I'll build another one. And then I'll build another. And that's the concept of reconditioning, right? It's just constantly reframing things until I realize that actually, not it's the framing that's the issue altogether. Bring yeah. down those walls. Yeah. And that for me was a, um, yeah, was a really big realization. And it's just, yeah, constantly stripping away, stripping away, stripping away. And, I do get many opportunities to, uh, when I do get triggered, um, I was actually even just triggered yesterday for a little while and having those, even actually, to be honest, even actually about two hours ago, I was driving and, um, someone on the side of the road, uh, so I sort of did something, um, I shouldn't have on the road. <laughs> he was like yelling at me, like from the side of the road, like really aggressively. I'm like, Oh, Oh, that sucks. Oh, I did something wrong. How dare I? Right. And the mind was like, I was catching my mind going, you insignificant little bastard, like <laughs> and all these different, um, you know, identities were being shook in that moment that I'd created for myself. So it, it's beautiful because those moments like that now, you know, in the past would have taken me hours, if not days to actually unwind from that. Like two days later, I might be really triggered from something that shouldn't really trigger me because I was still holding on to that situation. Um, but now, yes, um, it takes me much less time. You know, it might take me, um, depending on the intensity, a few minutes, a few hours, a couple of days, however long that might be. However, it's less. And that's what I'd actually like to invite for people to observe is that growth isn't just a switch. It's a progression. And uh, I know for myself for a long time, I wanted it to be a switch of, I just need to stop this from occurring within me, the suffering to stop, the sadness to stop, this anxiety to stop. But really it was, Oh, the sadness is happening, happening a little less and a little less intensely. Now this anxiety is happening for a shorter span of time and a little less intensely and just noticing those incremental growth experiences where, oh, wow, now all of a sudden I'm not triggered at all by this. Wow. Freedom. And that was from the coming away from the boxes rather than just building a whole bunch of new ones. <laughs> and uh, to your point, I'd actually love to ask 
what is it that people can do when they are in a really intensely triggering situation because it's quite difficult in those moments to acknowledge oh wait that's just thinking that's just the mind that's just you know my perceived reality and they'll suffer that really deeply i know for myself i did and just by acknowledging that these are thoughts these are my mind in the past wouldn't have served me i was so stuck what are some things people can do when they actually get into that intense experience you know even if they are maybe aware but they fall into a really deep trigger what are some things people can do in those moments yeah I, I, i'm going to answer this and also want to touch on something that you said because this was a very powerful understanding that i got that changed the way that i saw mental health and as a result has really helped me help create profound transformational results with my clients in in fractions of a second so there are two ways to work with people there is a horizontal plane which is working in that content based what are your thoughts what do they mean what are your beliefs and you're working on essentially the the level of thought you're working on the level of what is the content the specific details of that now that is something that will take a very long time to resolve because there's just so much data that you could explore in fact even in a day you're probably taking in so much data that if you were to post analyze it you could spend 10 years <laughs> post analyzing <laughs> the content of one day yeah. okay so you you you're never you never have even the capacity to understand everything that you've processed you're processing so much data there's it's impossible to get to that level of awareness that you understand every smell and scent that you've taken into your sense and how it triggers this memory from that past event that you you got bit by the dog and now you know like it, we can't keep up with that and that's a good thing mm. thank goodness we don't have to yeah. because there's a vertical dimension there is a dimension which is about awareness and from a higher level of awareness or a higher level of consciousness what may seem like a problem from a higher vantage point doesn't look like a problem and that is where the momentary transformations occur is a jump in a person's level of consciousness where out of nowhere you could be experiencing a trauma or kind of that rumination in a thought process that you've been in for two years like people break up and then they experience the pain of that suffering of that breakup of the loss of that person and potentially the depression and the anxiety of getting into a relationship and the hard feelings and the resentment and they experience that for years sometimes they have that moment of realization and they snap out of it now why why is that possible it's possible because in in the true essence of who we are that's it's not a thing it's not a dimension it's formless and therefore in any moment that experience which is created in thought in a form can just completely fall away you don't have to work on it it just disappears and and it happens when we have a jump in our understanding 
And the way we have a jump in our understanding is somehow your wisdom wakes up and you have an insight and you see something from within that came from the true self that reminds you of what you're not. And so what do people do to make that happen more? That's basically the question. What can people do when they get caught in that false self, Mm. which again, still happens to me. Mm. So that is something that it's not something you have to avoid. Mm. That's the mistake that people make is that it's something they have to get rid of. Like it's something like, how can I, how can I put this into words? Okay. Have you, if you've ever driven on a hot highway and you see like the patch of water that's up in front of you and you're driving towards it and you think, Oh, maybe I need to switch lanes. There's a puddle on the road. (laughs) And the closer you get to it, the further it gets away and it actually starts to disappear. And those mirages, when you get at a certain level of perspective, you realize there's really nothing I had to do about it. Mm. I didn't need to change lanes because it wasn't real. Mm. And you come to a certain level of understanding where you realize I don't need to fix something that's not real. Mm. I don't need to work on a thought that isn't real. And so you come to that understanding and you stop even trying to do something with it. It doesn't seem, it doesn't make sense to start picking away at the illusion to start analyzing it. And the one trap that we get into that prevents us from being able to do that is we don't even realize that sometimes we blame things outside of ourselves for causing the experience. And what that does is it creates a lack of accountability. Hmm. And accountability for me means I am the only one that is left with the bill at the end of the day of every choice that I make with this life. I am left with the consequence. You're not left with the consequence of me going off and smacking someone in the face. You're not left with the consequence of me, you know, running into uh, a wall because I wasn't paying attention. I'm left with the consequence of everything that I do and everything that I choose. And I am that, I am responsible for everything that I choose. I have Mm. to be willing to respond to everything that I've chosen. And accountability is impossible when we blame. Mm. When I say that person made me choose because they did that, that just that simple, that simple externalization of choice is what blame is. That means automatically we have given away our sovereignty. We have stripped ourselves of accountability and there is nothing that we can do in that area of our life until we eliminate, until we subtract that blame. Mm -hmm. And some people, you know, we, we use different words, the victim mentality or disempowerment or, but it really is just blaming something other than yourself for your experience. So if you were to just do this one thing, if you have an experience you don't like, if you were to just blame yourself and say, I don't know how, (laughs) I can't see it right now, because it sure looks like the person over there yelling at me is making me feel this way. I don't know how, it doesn't make sense, but somehow 
I'm responsible for this. Then you'll come to see at some point after you've drove off and you can't see the person screaming anymore and you're still experiencing the same experience, you come to realize it can't be coming from that person. Yes. Yeah. They're gone. Yeah. And those little insights, those little moments of realization, those create a new foundation of understanding that actually is built upon your innate mental health. Mm, beautifully put, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining. I know that we've got to wrap up right now. So there was a couple of thing, more things that I do, did want to ask. However, I actually want to instead invite others to go along and follow your work. That would probably be the best thing instead. And please share where they can find you and where's best suited. So there, there's a couple different things that I help people with right now. Mm. There's three main categories. So transformational work in life or business. And that also includes relationship. My wife and I have a project called the path of devotional love. Uh, you can look at it uh, at devotionallove.org. And we're still in the process of getting our website and everything together. But, you know, that's a path uh, for people who want to experience a deeper dimension of intimacy and love and connection and, and to use the relationship as a spiritual process. So it's a different kind of partnership. And it really is a phenomenal uh, way to heal and to create a constant catalyst in your life for your own growth. And then I have a coach training where, where I help people understand what we're talking about on a much deeper level and actually learn the skills to help others, which is called the Resonance Coaching Academy. And you can go to that website and look at our work and, and, and my business partner, Chris, and I have collected many different perceptions or philosophies and, and we've come to see there's a specific way that we can get results in a, in a fraction of the time that are cumulative over time the person by being more in touch with their own true self or being in resonance with life and this space where insight happens they after they go through that experience they actually start to become more insightful they start to hear more on a regular basis they start to wake up faster so you know it's kind of like setting the foundation a new foundation for how you experience reality and then every area of your life that you venture into with that new foundation improves. It's a way to get performance and clarity, but just by looking at self. And those are the main ways that I help people. Um, and of course, if, if anyone is curious, you know, to potentially see if, if working together would be a good fit, you can send me an email at kaijordancoaching at gmail.com just telling me what's going on with you. And, you know, we can have a little conversation to see if it's something that I could support you with, or if I feel someone is a better fit. Thank you so much. Once again, also you can find me on Instagram from my understanding as well. Kai Jordan coaching, correct? Yeah. Yep. Beautiful. Yep. So I'll list all that stuff down below in the show notes for you guys that you can find. Now Kai's got to um, head off for a, another meeting. So we're going to wrap up here and I'm just going to say, thank you. From the bottom of my heart brother i have so much love for you for the work that you're doing for the gifts that you're bringing into this world it's honestly tremendous and you've had an impact on my life and i'm sure you've had a massive impact on many that have just even tuned in today let alone all the hundreds and thousands of people um, hundreds and thousands of people that you've on, um, honestly impacted as well so thank you okay. i really appreciate it
thank you so much for having me, Karen. And I really, yeah, again, it's I really resonate with what you're up to, and and uh, it's been a pleasure being on your show. Thank you, brother. That's it, guys. I love you guys so much. If you found this resonated and and assisted you in some shape or form, you learned anything, it would mean the world if you either subscribed and or shared the podcasts. This does enable us to reach more people as well with these sort of messages. Thanks again, guys. Much love. Take care. That's why I do this for you.